welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hi, Diane. Hello, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? It's good. It took me a while to be ready today. (laughs) I know. It's okay. It happens. It does happen. But I'm here now, and I'm ready to go, and I'm very excited. That's excellent. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. I have been waiting with bated breath for you to be ready so that we could have this amazing discussion because like this is a real highlight for me in my in my week when we get to talk. I'm so glad. Me too. In fact, we we haven't been meeting because of, you know, the holidays life, and stuff. Yeah. Holidays. And, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, and it I I've missed it. It's been weird. I know, I know, but we're we're you know, as we're recording this, we we pre-recorded a lot of our episode, episodes because we um we're good planners and and we wanted to get a lot done before we launched. So we're like imminently launching the podcast in in real time. But but who knows when this episode will come out. So yes, there's a lot going true. on for us right now. <laughs> it's exciting. I worry that when people listen to these, we're going to have all of these really like time specific mom moments around like specific holidays or times of the year. Like we talk about going out in the summertime and then we release that episode in the winter. So people yeah. are just going to have to understand that our mom moments sometimes happened a long time ago. <laughs> you know what? As as fellow moms or parents, hopefully who are listening to this, I feel like they'll understand that like you got to just do things when you have the time to do them, even if it's six months ahead of time. That's right. <laughs> sometimes six months after when you should have done it. I mean, you know. It's like, we kept saying, we'll launch now, we'll launch now. Eventually, we'll get it out there. at some point. (laughs) But we have so much content now, like, not even worried about it. It's true. It's it's actually probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Before we get started on the topic that you're going to tell me about today, I'm so excited because it's a surprise. This is great. Do you want to tell me about your mom moment? Yes, my mom moment sort of ties into what I'm going to talk about today. I got to go out with my friends on Friday night for the first time since before my daughter was born. Wow. Yeah. So I've obviously gone out for work and like, you know, had to do things that are work or, or gig related. And my husband and I had to go to a wedding for a friend. So she slept at my father's house for a weekend, but like, I hadn't gone out like just me with my friends since before she was born. So over eight months. Oh man, Diane. Yeah. I know. I know. That's a long time. (laughs) Listen for my first, you know, that's how it was too. But you know, by the time Liam came along, I was like out with friends a week later. I was like, whatever, Joe, take the baby. It was really, really nice. I mean, I've gone out for like, you know, a quick lunch or coffee, obviously with people, but a lot of times I'm bringing the baby with me. So this, this was nice. We went dinner, drinks. We went to go see the new little women. <gasps> really? Ooh. Yes. Spoiler alert. Good? I loved it. <gasps> Yay! I'm so glad to hear that. I'm a harsh critic. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really really liked it. Um, so I don't know when this is going to come out. It could be way after this movie. Yeah, right. It's been on DVD for years. Yeah. You know, I really liked it. <laughs> so yeah, it was just nice to be me, not mom me, like just me. And 
and like just sit and enjoy a movie and it was great so that was my mom moment <laughs> that's so nice oh, good for you oh. what about you I've got this current saga going on in our house that that is you know like tangentially related to the kids where Joe and I are huge gamers we love board games so much we have an obscene collection of board games and it's one of the things that he and I do together when the kids go to bed, you know, like mm-hmm. we sit down and we, we play a campaign of some board game and we're, we, we have like a pretty nerdy collection. It's not like Monopoly and Sheets and Ladders and Candyland. It's like <laughs> the wrath of a Shardalon. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we're super nerdy. So we determined recently that we need a proper gaming table and we were going to spend a small fortune to buy a really, really nice gaming table and replace our dining room table with this really beautiful gaming table that we can also eat at. But then Joe decided he was going to build by hand, like design in CAD, a beautiful table and then build it by hand in our basement. And it's, he's just finishing the last coats of polyurethane now. And it's just so stunningly beautiful. But this past weekend, when he was like, really in it and needed to do everything like when you're staining a table or any sort of furniture everything has to be timed really specifically so he was like I have to do the table all weekend so have fun with our three children (laughs) and so I found myself out with all three of them which I have never done before on my own I'm always with another adult. I refuse to leave this house with the three of them. And I was like, I got to get them out of here because there's like stain everywhere and polyurethane fumes. And I was like, all right, guys, get in the car. <laughs> We're going on an adventure with mom. Oh, and wow. It was, it was wacky. And they were really, really well behaved. So it was a lot easier than I was expecting it to be. And I'm sure it would not, you know, if they're having an off day, it would have been a nightmare. But then I had to have this conversation with my husband about where the table was going to go because ostensibly it's going to be replacing our dining room table. But we looked at it and we were like, it's so beautiful. They will destroy this table. <laughs> so now oh, like, no. he's put all this time into building this beautiful thing. And now we're like, should we even use it? Should we like hide it away in some secret room that we keep the door locked so that they can't destroy it? So these are the... The perils of having three very <laughs> small children who really destroy, physically destroy everything that you love. So that's a dilemma right there. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, that was my so I, I survived a an outing very, very over outnumbered by my children and now have to make a very serious decision about the future life of this table. <laughs> <laughs> well, Godspeed. Yes, thank you. <laughs> May I ask, where did you take them? So I had like three or four errands to run that all could be done without me having to leave the car. So oh, I was that's like, great. oh, this is perfect. I'll just like, we'll just like run around. So, so like Liam was due for a nap. So he immediately went to sleep. We went and we picked up some lunch, at, I think like Wendy's. So mm-hmm. drive through. Then I went to the drive through at CVS. Then I had to pick up something from somebody's porch. So I had to leave the car for like five seconds. I had to drive to Burlington to pick up a stroller from somebody else. You know, So I was like running around doing all these errands. And then we stopped at a playground. And it was, if anyone is in like the, the New Englandy Northeastern area of the United States, 
in mid-January of 2020, which is when we're recording this, there was like this weekend where it was real warm. It was like 70 degrees. Yes, in, it was so Boston. bizarre. It was so warm. And so it was that day. And so we're outside at the playground riding bikes. They're so excited to be outside because they've been stuck inside for months. So I think because it was so warm, that was like the key to my success because they were so delighted to be outside. And so they were like listening really well because they didn't want to have to get back in the car. Right. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, nature was on my side this weekend. You timed that very well. Good job. So tell me about tell me about this topic you have that is sort of related to you going out and seeing little women. <laughs> I know, right? How bizarre is that? So when I was deciding to go out, I hadn't been out in a while. And I was like, I really want to go out with my friends. Um, this has all been complicated by the fact that one of my friends has, has been ill. And another one of my friends recently moved to California, yeah. which I live, I live in New Jersey. So I kind of lost like a big chunk of my friend group right after I had the baby. So like, I didn't really have a lot of friends to go out with. Now I do have some wonderful friends still in New Jersey, obviously. I went out with them on Friday, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, the more friends you have, the more opportunity you would have maybe to go out. So I just, the opportunity really didn't come up or I would get invited somewhere and it would be a night where Chuck, my husband already had something going on. Or, I mean, we both work as musicians, so he might've had a gig or I might've had a gig in the evening and the other person has to stay with the baby. So anyway, the opportunity like finally arose and a small part of me felt like bad about it. Mm. Like guilt, like guilty mom guilt. Yes. And so that kind of got me thinking about, well, why do I feel guilty about this? I shouldn't, which is all me. Like, I mean, my husband didn't make me feel guilty. He was like, no, you should go out. Mm -hmm. It was all in my brain. Yeah. But made me feel a little guilty that I so badly wanted to be out with my friends without her and like, didn't really miss her while I was out. Like, obviously I knew she was going to be home. So it was, and she was sleeping, you know? Yeah. What's to miss? <laughs> exactly. So I don't know, but you know, you go through these weird mind games and you just make yourself feel crazy um, as a mom. So it got me thinking about in today's day and age, the idea of mom shaming. Mm. And okay. we're going to dive a little bit into the history of mom shaming and Ooh. where it comes from <gasps> and why it is so much worse today than it was in previous generations and what types of technologies are fueling that now that didn't fuel it in the past. So I'm so fascinated. You have me hooked. Okay, good. So uh, a big part of my research, I mean, I, I, ha- I looked at a bunch of articles, but one article that I looked at cited a book that I'm definitely going to read, um, but I read an interview with the two authors, Margaret M. Quinlan and Bethany L. Johnson, who are both mothers themselves and also historians, I think, and professors, but they wrote, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> mothering <laughs> mothering media and medical expertise. Oh my God. Sign me up. Give me this yeah, book. <laughs> I know. I'm going to see if my library has it. I'm really excited. So throughout their research, they found that many of the overarching messages about childbearing and reproduction have not changed that much since the 19th century, which I'm not really that surprised about. Yeah. And that a lot of the things that were advertised as being like the ideal way to raise children or the ideal mom are still prevalent today. Uh, They studied newspapers, books, magazines, and even doctor's records dating back to the 19th century. And then they conducted interviews with expectant mothers and current mothers today to sort of compare 
the data. So they found that pregnancy and parenting advice paints this picture still today, that the ideal mother is a cis, white, upper middle class, educated, and able-bodied female. Everyone else is doing it wrong. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's unfortunately rings very true. Mm-hmm. And even if you think about like, you know, advertising on television, I mean, we're starting to be a little bit at least more racially diverse, if not with, you know, gender orientation and, and, and things like that. Yeah, but, family um, makeup. Yeah. Yes. But uh, really, for the most part, I mean, you see that smiling, young white lady, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, with her makeup perfectly done and her hair looking nice and smiling as she cleans her house with her Lysol or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And those ideas and ideals date all the way back to the 19th century. The difference is that back then we would get this information and maybe even misinformation about parenting and what makes you the right kind of mom from family and friends. Mm -hmm. And nowadays we get it from the entire world yes. via the internet and social media, mm -hmm. which is, which is a huge problem. So uh, the earliest form of mom shaming that we can find is what we call failed femininity, femininity. That's a hard word to say, <laughs> which I had never heard of. Have you heard of this idea? No, I don't think so. Maybe. Well, once I read the description, I was like, okay, this makes sense. But I had never heard of that term. Yeah. Um, so failed femininity is the idea that if anything in your reproductive life didn't go according to plan, it's probably somehow your fault. Oh, <laughs> that's so sad. Yeah. I guess like in the 19th and early 20th centuries, like if you didn't behave like the ideal woman leading up to becoming a mother and something goes wrong or you can't have children or something happens with your child or they're born a certain way it was somehow your fault because you weren't acting the way a woman or a mother should. Hmm. That's real rough. Yeah. But when you really think about it, it's kind of still there today in the back of our minds. So for example, in the, the Victorian era, obviously if you were poor and you had to work as a mom and you couldn't be a stay at home mom, well, right there, you were a failed woman. That was failed femininity to a T hmm. because you must have done something that you didn't marry a husband that was rich enough or, you know, you didn't have enough money to be well off enough to be able to stay at home with your children. And so they're just going to be messed up because you have to go and work. Mm. So now on the Internet, uh, you know, obviously many moms are working moms and, and it's accepted. And for the most part, people are fine with that. But you still on these Internet forums get the stay at home moms and the working moms both kind of touting like why you should work or why you should stay home. And we end up bickering with each other and arguing about what is better. And so we end up being pitted against each other instead of saying, no, there's nothing wrong with what either group is doing. The problem is the social construct that has created this shame that whatever choice you make is somehow the wrong choice and it's bad for your kids. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that. But <laughs> that mean, really struck me. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that that's one of the stark things about becoming a mom now, for me at least. I mean, I don't know um, what it was like before the internet because I was not a mom before the internet existed, but you kind of drown in information. And because there's so much of it, and because it's coming from so many different types of people, but who are all trying to capture a similar ideal, mm -hmm. no matter what you do, you're not 
doing it right. And so it's sort of impossible to get away from this feeling of inadequacy. When you gave the example of all these commercials that we see on TV or, or in print or wherever for the way that perfect mom looks, it's funny because most of the moms I know have tattoos or they look a mess, but in a really interesting way. Like they look a mess because they're an interesting person with a deep, meaningful life. And it's like, we don't, we don't equate motherhood with that kind of depth of character. Instead, we have this really bland, super vanilla (laughs) in every possible way, woman who does nothing but wipe up after her pets, husband and children. I don't know. No, I think you you hit the nail on the head. And I think that the the point that you made gets right to the heart of, of the issue is that we think of the way we used to treat mothers, that they had to stay at home and they couldn't be in the workforce and they couldn't do this and they couldn't do that. We, we tend to think of that as like in the past. But the fact is that the medical and social model for childcare is still largely defined as mothering by women. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a problem. Yeah. And it creates it creates this idea that once you become a mom, that's who you are and you don't have any other facets of your life that are interesting or important. And if you do, then it's somehow taking away yeah. from the time you should be spending, like you said, cleaning up after your kids or your husband or whatever. And no one explicitly says that anymore, I don't think, or I hope that they wouldn't. Yeah. But it's it's I feel like it's still hanging over our heads in the advertising we see, in the bickering we see on social media, in the constant barrage of you should do this and you shouldn't do this. And if you do this, you're a bad mom. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Yeah, it is. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Just insanity. Yeah. Yeah. And and it it comes out, uh, they they were doing some research uh, for the book. And one of the authors was saying, you know, moms tend to blame themselves for things that are outside of of their control. Mm -hmm. And that, again, dates back to that failed femininity thing where, you know, obviously, if something happens reproductively with your body, it's not your fault. But they used to blame women for these things. But now that comes out in the choices that we make for our children or the things that we don't have a choice on. This really struck home for me because we're having this issue in my town. Um, If you live in a place where maybe there's a high level of lead in the water and you have to have your child tested for lead positivity or, you know, what is it, high levels of lead. Mm -hmm. It's so easy for either you to blame yourself or, you know, you go online and you see these forums of people saying like, well, the mom should have bought bottled water. She should have filtered the water. And how could she let this happen to her child? Mm -hmm. And these are things that we should be looking at and saying, instead of, oh, it's the mom's fault. We should be saying, well, no, it's the city's fault. They should be changing out all the pipes in the city and talking about how they're going to remedy this situation moving forward. Like it always comes back to blaming the parents. And usually the mom. Exactly. And usually the mom. It's true. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen in like a forum because usually in my experience, at least the, the dads aren't in the forums. Um, like sometimes there's there's a guy in a parenting group that I'm in, but but for the most part, it's it's all moms. And so you know, you. I think it's easier to be like, to, to speak in female terms when you're in an all-female community. But women historically had this role as, as mother. And now we are getting to a place where many homes are double income homes. And, and that really for the middle class to survive, both parents need to be working. Um, but 
the rest of society around us hasn't really like filled in those gaps. We haven't said, oh, now moms can't be in the home all the time taking care of their children and their families. So we're going to make up the difference as a society to, you know, bolster that that gap that gets created. Instead, the moms have just continued to do all the momming and they work. <laughs> so it's like you you have this generation of women who are like, I mean, I hate to use this word, but it's how I feel most of the time, haggard, <laughs> like just so we're like a resource that's being overspent. Yeah. And I and I feel it all the time. And I'm very fortunate. I have a very flexible work schedule. I I have a very understanding boss. Like everything in my life is really ideal, I think, for a working mom with three children. But even I am like <laughs> constantly at a breaking point. I don't know how women do it who don't live near family, don't have an understanding working situation, you know, don't have affordable daycare options. I don't I don't know. I guess they have to stop working. I, it just I don't know. It seems like the deck is stacked in such a way that that women are just used up. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. And instead of you know, I think a lot of a lot of us do build each other up now and and I'm you know I'm fortunate to know a lot of really wonderful women and moms but when you go on these internet forums which I don't know why you ever would yeah, and you should and <laughs> I made that mistake when I when I had my daughter and you know you're just grasping for any kind of answer because you're exhausted and like you know you just you want someone to tell you the right thing to do but then you go down this rabbit hole of, of ridiculous people telling you what you should and shouldn't do but Instead of being supportive online, we are all just arguing about the best way to deal with this sort of really crappy hand we've all been dealt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's no solution. It's mm -hmm. just, it's, it's bad. And it's been going on for a long time that you should do this or you shouldn't do this, or you're a good mom if you do this or a bad mom if you do this. It's just what is good and what is bad has changed. And that's really interesting to go back and look at. For example, in World War II, when they were rationing sugar, you were a good mom if you got some sugar to make something for your children. Oh, yeah. But, you know, now sugar is bad. And obviously too much sugar is bad for anybody. But, I mean, you go on these forums and you've got the moms that say you should not give your children any, any sugar. sugar. And if, if you do, that you're killing them. And mm -hmm. And I think everybody's entitled to their beliefs and whatever you choose for your child is great. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's the way we judge each other for our, the choices that we make. And as a parent, everything we do is a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a choice to strap your kid into their car seat. I mean, obviously you do it, but it's still a choice. Yes. It was very interesting to, to read a little bit about this and how, this has been going on forever. It's just become more and more complicated because of the internet, social media, and the fact that now, as you said, many moms are working on top of doing all of the childcare and the household management. Yeah. The other thing that I think both of us are probably very lucky in this regard is that we have, we have partners who are like very involved. I mean, I, I would say that my, my husband probably does more childcare than I do 
outside of like when we have infants. When we have infants, I usually work out with my job to be able to stay home and do more childcare. But once they're out of infancy, it's like he's <laughs> he's like way more on top of childcare than I am, which is great. Um, yeah. But there are people who like I, I know someone who is not much older than my children. And I was talking to her about her dad the other day. And apparently he never, ever once, sorry, one time, one time changed a diaper. And I think my dad was the same way. Can you imagine? I can't. I can't (laughs) imagine. Like, I'm sure Chuck changes a lot of diapers. Constantly. You know, he changed changed the first diaper in the hospital. I think he changed the first two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, like... Thank God. And it's great that fathers are stepping up. But one thing that they also talk about in in this really great article um, that I read with this interview with these authors is that the way men and fathers are treated for doing something like changing a diaper versus the way moms are treated for doing something like changing a diaper. And I actually, I see it when we go to the grocery store. Every Monday we go grocery shopping and we we run a bunch of errands as a family because we're both off on Monday mornings. And my husband usually carries her in the baby Bjorn. Mm-hmm. And oh, Jen. Oh, yeah. All of the women come up to him, the, the older women. What a wonderful father you are. Oh, she must love you. Oh, this is, you know, it's like, but I go to the store with her and no one says a word to me. <laughs> no, it's very, I I just don't know how to properly (laughs) express how incredibly rage inducing that is to me I know (laughs) I I witness it all the time and I know a couple stay-at-home dads whose wives work and they just like you go out with them and the looks that they get oh it's like they're walking on sunshine just like these magical men these unicorns of, of society that just provide and they're so wonderful and then like you take a woman and put her in the exact same situation the exact same scenario and people walk by and go oh she looks like a mess two kids out at once poor thing yeah it's the way we talk about them yeah Yeah, someone someone will come up to somebody and say oh you you poor thing like you must be crazed instead of oh what a wonderful job you're doing yeah I, I don't think I've ever been told what a wonderful job I'm doing by a stranger in public when I'm out with my children. When I was at the park this weekend with all three of them and I'm carrying one of them on my hip and the other two are racing bikes around and I'm screaming because they're like, you know, across the park and it's far away and we're in a park that I don't know with a lot of people yeah. I don't know on a busy day because everyone's at the park when it's 70 in January and I'm like screaming for them and people are just like oh look at that mess of a mom and I was just like whatever I'm winning right now because I'm out with my three kids alone <laughs> yeah right that's a huge mom win <laughs> <laughs> but no one was like way to go mom <laughs> just like... so I don't know whatever people are ugh I know. And, and I, I don't want this to turn into a complaining session. I, I don't. Know. But uh, I think it is interesting where the roots of this, we think of mom shaming as a very 21st century thing with the internet. We think of shaming each other as something you do on social media, maybe, but it. I think it has deeper cultural roots in the value we put on the work that mothers do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, yeah. yeah. 
So there was a 2017 report from Michigan's C.S. Mott Children's Hospital. I guess they had surveyed uh, mothers in the area and nearly two thirds of the mothers they surveyed said that they had been shamed for parenting decisions. Yeah. Which is pretty stinky. And we all say we're against mom shaming. Everybody who you talk to obviously says that, but it happens. So who's doing it? And I was reading that a lot of it comes out of these mothers who feel at the end of their ropes and they see somebody else online either complaining or asking for help. And they sort of feel like, well, I survived. And so, you know, like step up to the plate and get it done. And or or the other thing of, well, I was able to feed my children all organic and make all their food and blah, blah, blah. Why can't you? It validates our own parenting decisions when we do that. Yeah. You know, when there isn't a lot of external validation in what you're doing from other people, it's sort of like you sort of take it into your own hands to be like, well, yeah. I did a great job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's not acceptable to fail. And so you're sort of always trying to figure out how not to fail and then how to make whatever you did not look like a failure. Because it's just not it's not socially acceptable to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not perfect at this. <laughs> yeah. I screw up. Because if you screw up as a mom, you're screwing up your children. And that's like not an acceptable thing to do. And it's almost like, I don't know that this is true, but it feels that way to me. It feels like if you make bad decisions, or you just make decisions that other people don't agree with, I guess, like if you just make a different choice than someone else, it seems like that is vilified more stringently than people who are purposefully <laughs> doing bad things. Like I think we're spending so much more time being concerned about how somebody decides to handle their child's sleep, or to handle discipline or or whatever, instead of like, being worried about the parents who are neglected, like actually neglecting their children or like, right. Yeah. Because those parents are like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> so they're not seeking reassurance online for what they're doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and then as I think as a parent, you get so defensive of the decisions that you've made that you do sort of snap back maybe at other people online about things or in person, like, I took my daughter somewhere where there were a lot of um, older women who were mothers, maybe maybe women that were like my mother's age or maybe even my grandmother's age. And I took her out of the car in her car seat with, with her blanket on and her light sweater. And Jen, can I tell you how many of these women came up to me? Isn't she freezing? You should have a jacket on her. Isn't she cold? I can't believe you have her out here with no coat. And by the 15th person, I was just like, I just snapped. Yeah. And I was like, you're not supposed to put them in. Because at first I was like, oh, well, you know, times have changed. And they realized that puppy coats under the straps for the car seat. Like, How many times can you defend the decisions that you're making? I know. I know. And, and I, I, I weary of having to say, we don't do it that way anymore. Yes. To yes. people who to people who mothered or fathered several decades ago. 
well, we don't do it that way anymore. And I can give you the research if you want it because I've done it certainly. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, ju please just trust that I'm doing this the best possible way I can because I'm not taking mothering lightly. I, that's one of, I think that's where this becomes so offensive to people is this, I, this constant barrage of advice, sometimes meant to be helpful, assumes that you haven't thought about it, that you haven't tried to already make the best decision you can for you and your child and your family. And that is truly infuriating. <laughs> Maybe we can all make a little pact. I don't know. Like we said, we don't know when this is going to come out. But for me, it's the beginning of 2020. So I'm going to try not that I really post very much on any of these forums, but I am a part of a couple of Facebook mom groups. And they're they're pretty civil for the most part. Mm -hmm. But occasionally you get the outlier. I'm going to try really hard to just put out positivity into these these groups, spaces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. try to politely shut down any mom shaming that starts to occur. Um, because sometimes we sneak it in passive aggressively where like, sometimes you look at it and you wonder like, am I taking offense to this because I'm crazy or is it really, are they really trying to shame me? So, yeah. you know, really maybe taking a hard look at anything that I might be posting even Yeah. to say, am I telling this person what they should do or am I you know, surrounding them with positivity and supporting their choices. Yeah, it's hard to do for sure. But I think if everybody, if everybody gives it their best try, I recently had an interaction where I got like scolded by an admin on a, on a Facebook group for, for just doing something that I thought was harmless and helpful, but, but like in retrospect was like super inappropriate, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fine. And, and I, and I sort of responded with, I'm really sorry you're totally right. Let me edit my post. I'm thank you for helping me be a better community member. And I think that, you know, be the change you want to see on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. <laughs> so and if anybody's listening, who's an expectant mom, the best advice I can give you is that first month when things are insane, just stay off the internet. Yeah, stay off. If you have a question, you know, contact a trusted friend or family member who's been through it, who will give you some good advice. Call your doctor, mm -hmm. call the pediatrician. If you're concerned, don't go on a forum online no. because I made that mistake at two, three, four in the morning yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just makes you crazy. It does. It does. You're doing the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. Which is usually so much better than anyone else would do for your baby and your family. Like you, you are the mom for that person. You got it. You're good. Yep. <laughs> so. Exactly. Oh my goodness. All right. I think we should leave it there. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we were able to kind of make this more of a discussion and I hope it resonated with some people who have maybe, um, come into contact with this. If you have any stories about any mom shaming you've experienced online, whether they be funny or sad, or, you know, a story of when you maybe shut something down, we'd love to hear it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you can go ahead and contact us. Jen, do you want to tell everybody where they oh, can contact yes, us? Oh, yes, of course. This is my job. This is the part that I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can uh, send us an email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram at opdwpodcast. 
We would always love to hear your mom and dad moments. You can send them to us uh, with hashtag mom moment, hashtag dad moment. That's, I think, I think that's all my stuff, right? <laughs> that's all your stuff. And Yay. I, as the resident music person, I just want to thank uh, uh, Theo Rosenberg, who uh, composed the music for our show. So thank you, Theo. Thanks, Theo. Well, Diane, until next time. Stay off of those crazy baby forums. <laughs> <laughs>